Hello, welcome to a brand new episode of the Churchology Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Combs. Today on the show, we're talking to Jules Woodson. Jules was sexually assaulted by a former youth pastor on staff at a Southern Baptist church. And in 2018, Jules went forward with her story of sexual assault. And this conversation is an extremely important conversation. We talk about the need for the Southern Baptist Convention and for the entire church, but the focus is on the Southern Baptist Convention to speak up for survivors, to support and stand with survivors. At the time of this recording, when this episode is released, the Southern Baptist Convention is happening in Nashville. A lot of people can step into a podcast at different times. There's no guarantee that people listen to a podcast the day or week time that it's released. So so you might be listening to this at a different time, but this is released in June 2021. The Southern Baptist Convention is happening in Nashville at the time of this release. And on the table for discussion, uh, things are happening in Nashville concerning sexual assault abuse survivors. And so this conversation is extremely important. I want to challenge you not just to listen to it, but to share it, engage with it, pass it on to others. Again, even if you listen to this and the Southern Baptist Convention in Nashville is over, listen to this conversation, engage in it, share it with others, pass it on to people in your church or other churches. The church has got to get this right to stand up with and for survivors of sexual assault and abuse. And I'm just so thankful and honored to talk to Jules. And so I want you to listen, engage this conversation with Jules Woodson on the Churchology Podcast. All right. Well, today on the show, we are excited to talk to Jules Woodson. Jules, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jules, um, just for anybody out there um, watching, listening, and uh, maybe they're not familiar with who you are, uh, some of your story, could you just introduce yourself to the audience? Absolutely. So I am Jules Whitson. Uh, when I was 17 years old, I was sexually assaulted by my youth pastor, Andy Savage. Um, I reported the assault within 24 hours to the associate pastor of my church. He interrupted me and blatantly asked, so you're telling me you participated? And it was then that I knew that I was being blamed for what had happened to me. Uh, They said the church would handle it. The senior pastor was notified immediately. They did nothing for several weeks. Andy Savage went on to teach True Love Waits to my youth group. Um, Nothing had happened. I ended up telling a few more people in my girls' discipleship group, um, not all the details, but kind of, you know, the baseline of of what happened. It was one of their parents that then contacted uh, Larry Cotton and Steve Bradley. And that was when the church decided they needed to act to do something. So they allowed Andy to resign. They threw him a going away party and he went back to Tennessee and within six months was working at another church, um, the church where my abuse happened, uh, 
it was called Woodlands Parkway Baptist Church, now Stonebridge Church, never once reached out to me to ask me more questions, to see if I was okay, um, to offer any sort of assistance. Uh, it was just to not be talked about. And uh, subsequently, I uh, went into a deep depression and it greatly, greatly affected me. Uh, fast forward 20 years later and in January of 2018, um, I decided to go public with my story after I had emailed my abuser and he didn't respond to me personally. Um, I told my story on Dee Parsons' blog, The Wartburg Watch, and genuinely, I thought maybe 100 people would read my story, but if it helped one other survivor who had been through something similar to know that they were not alone, it was worth it to me. And little did I know that my abuser would then come out with uh, a statement admitting to the assault. Uh, of course, he minimized it, called it a sexual incident, mentioned many, many times how it was 20 years ago, whatnot. Um, two days later, he uh, basically read his statement at his church, which was a mega church in Tennessee, High Point Church, and received a standing ovation from the congregation. And it was that that really kind of blew my story out of the water and, and, and made uh, quite the news circuit because a pastor admitted to sexually assaulting a minor in his care and received a standing ovation. So that's kind of the brief rundown of what I've been through up until the point of going public. Um, I have continued to, since 2018, to continue to speak out and help um, in any way I can use my voice to not only um, advocate for myself, but for all survivors who have been abused in the church. Yeah, wow. And even the uh, the New York Times uh, featured your story, <laughs> correct? They did, yeah. they did. Um, they, they wrote about my story um, several times and then we did a video, um, an opinion piece that um, was very powerful. Yeah. And we'll link to all that in the show notes uh, so people can read that, uh, read your story, watch the video. And one of the things that really jumps out to me is uh, I follow you on Twitter. And <laughs> here we are. We are just uh, we're just a few days away from the Southern Baptist Convention in Nashville. You tweeted out a thread on Saturday, I believe it was, um, with very specific things uh, calling the Southern Baptist Convention to do on behalf of survivors. And uh, I, that thread just really, I saw it got shared a lot, retweeted a lot. And I, I messaged you, I said, Jules, I would love to ask you some questions about this. You were really quick to respond. And so thank you for that. Um, but I would love, what has been, and, and you can even go into some detail that you actually did talk about in the thread. What has been the response of the Southern Baptist Convention since yeah. you shared your story? Well, it's been pretty atrocious, uh, to say the least. Um, there, there really hasn't been great response. Um, mm -hmm. So just to kind of, you know, give you an idea, um, I've 
reached out to uh, the executive committee, the credentials committee that they formed. Um, I submitted um, that Steve Riley and Stonebridge Church should be disfellowshipped from the Southern Baptist Convention on the grounds that, you know, not only did they not report my assault to police, you know, 20 years ago and made intentional efforts to cover up what had happened. But then when I went public, um, they made a media statement basically denying that there was any cover up. Um, and to me, that's, it. it it's horrible, horrible, horrible. Mm. I, I really don't have words that I can probably say on the podcast, <laughs> um, <laughs> describe what that felt like. And so I've given, you know, the church a chance to do the right thing. And they obviously have chosen not to. I reached out to Steve Bradley personally with a very long, extensive letter asking a lot of questions. And um, I never got a response. And for the SBC to, to then say that this church is in faithful co cooperation with them is mind-blowing hmm. so ultimately that's why i submitted to the credentials committee which i've posted about all of that uh, hoopla <laughs> and it, it's really just been a circus um no one is trained to um to deal with um trauma and abuse they're not educated um hmm. of course they say we're not an investigative team but they had no problem reaching out to stonebridge and taking statement from them yet they never once reached out to me as the survivor who had put in the submission to have stonebridge disfellowshipped it's just it's it's been a real mess and nobody seems to know what they're doing there's secret alliances that we're finding out in leaked letters and audio and um just it, it, it's a real state of disaster <laughs> it's a real state of disaster and so um yeah ultimately i would say they they have done nothing and there are so many leaders that have had the chance to uh, speak out and, and use their voice um, to support survivors. And it's pretty much been crickets. And, and so just to clarify, the credentials committee, uh, what would be their role in disfellowshipping a church from the Southern Baptist Convention? So they, you know, they made it very clear we we are not investigators, we're not investigating him, but they basically said, you know, we're looking into whether churches are in friendly cooperation uh, with their statements and whatnot. And mm. so um, they weren't, I would say they weren't really given you know, authority or the setup or the training or the education, um, the background to really do much. That being said, the bare minimum would be to look at this and say, obviously, this is not how we want a Southern Baptist Church to respond to sexual abuse and 
to me, it's it's very um, black and white. Um, after you know, reading their statement denying um, a cover up, seeing that they've um, you know basically refused to engage with me in any sort of communication, and um, it, it's it's mind blowing how then the credentials committee could say thanks for all you've done, but sorry. We're not we're not doing anything to help you. Wow. And I and so, have posted I have posted that letter that I got from the credentials committee. Um, I apologize. I have posted that good. letter that I got from the credentials committee uh, online. Um, so it's available and I believe it's on uh, D Parsons blog as well. Okay. All right. And so the credentials committee. They and you already mentioned this, but just to go deeper into it, they have not contacted you. They did contact me with a letter. Okay. Um, the le with the letter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. With the letter after they had, you know, made their decision, but never um, when, you know, in the months and months they had my submission, and you know, we're technically looking into things, and and they did, you know, reach out to Stonebridge. So. Wow. Did, have you, so outside of the letter, when they were looking into it, investigating, you know, whatever, um, have you been contacted by anyone in the Southern Baptist Convention? I've spoken with a few, you know, pastors who have tried to continue to um, be supportive and certainly other survivors, but no, nobody in leadership has reached out to me to say, um, you know, what can we do? Wow. Hmm. Okay. That's very disheartening. <laughs> no, not even, not even a reach out to that, that they just are so sorry for what happened and just to, just to contact yeah. you. Not even, not even that. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, um, it's, it's been extremely disheartening. I, I will say I did have, um, one member of the executive <clears throat> committee I corresponded with um, before the credentials committee made a decision mm -hmm. in, you know, trying to um, make sure that they were doing the right thing and taking my submission seriously. And, um, but so, so many times, you know, people have just thrown their hands up and said, nothing I can do, you know? Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that, and I, and I have heard this numerous times, you actually addressed this on Twitter in your thread that, uh, oh, well, well, all of these cases, these are just a few bad apples. Yes. And, I, but I you actually, so many times I can't. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I have too, but you actually said, uh, this is not a few bad apples. This is a systemic problem. And it is. so, could you go into some detail there? What What are some examples of of what this what do you, What do you mean when you say this is a systemic problem in the SBC? Sure. So it is obvious that they have created a culture that not only protects abusers but allows abuse to thrive, and without any systems in place to protect the vulnerable, 
they they have created a monster and and it it truly is systemic and and when i say that you know we're looking at things such as you know harmful theology when it comes to women and male headship and patriarchy and um we're looking at harmful theology when it when we talk about you know the purity culture and 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 just how the church talks about sex and um and all that so there's a lot of a lot of ways that the organization and the system itself has like i said created and perpetuated <clears throat> what what we're we're now seeing is coming to light you know that they've made it a safe place they've made it a place that that has no accountability for when accusations you know, do come out and, and abuse does come to light, then there's no way to hold them accountable. We're seeing, um, you know, the power structures at play when it comes to covering up um, these evil deeds. And it's, it's very, very sad and disgusting. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, that I have heard people, um, say before and 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 it might be something and, and maybe i've heard people say it in the in response to even what you just to some of the things that you just said is and i would love to hear you respond to this you know when people um you know might say online or in conversation the, that the sbc hasn't taken enough action for survivors they haven't taken some real steps for change and i've heard people say well uh there was the caring will uh conference there was the there was the uh you know uh they, they established the sexual abuse advisory study and so they're doing things are happening um what would you say to that i'd say it's been a lot of lip service and a lot of mm. pr promotion on their part but when it comes down to it what tangible things have they done that they have created to make the SBC safer for survivors of abuse and to actually address their many failures and how they've handled things up until this point. And there has to be, you know, lament, repentance, but there's got to be restitution too. And, mm -hmm. um, so many survivors for so long, you know, I've been speaking out since 2018. I know, you know, I was named by Christianity Today as the face of the Church 2 movement because it was really my story that kind of um, became a catalyst for the discussions regarding sexual abuse in the church um, to come more into the forefront, but there's been people like Krista Brown who have been speaking for years, years and years and, and begging and fighting. And um, if you haven't read her book, This Little Light, it's amazing. And I highly mm. recommend it to understand um, not only what herself as an abuse survivor had to endure, but, but her efforts and how at every step she was defeated by the SBC and getting them to do the right thing. Yeah, 
I saw you link to that book the other day on Twitter. We'll we'll put a we'll put a link to that in in the show notes for people to check that out um, as right. well. Did did were there any concrete steps that were that were taken as a result of uh, the sexual abuse advisory study? To my knowledge, there has been nothing that has been done mm-hmm. that has provided. Um, any sort of um, tangible action steps and and, and relief for um, for survivors or um, or anything. Yeah, and so one of the one of the clear steps that you talked about um, is just the creation of a database. And can you Absolutely. go into detail what 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 do you mean by that database, and why would that be important? Sure. I, I certainly think a database would be a bare minimum thing that the SBC can do. And, you know, we're looking at, you know, having a place where any pastor who has been um, credibly accused or um, convicted of sexually abusing a congregant um, would have their name in there. And also, I believe it should include churches who have covered up abuse, um, who've either hired pastors knowing about their history um, or have, you know, worked to to cover up abuse when it's come to light, such as in my story and Stonebridge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there needs to be a, a reference so that, um, you know, people who do care can can have a place to go and 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 truly look up a name or a church and say how have they handled this um who have they hired and 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 see that and and protect themselves you know because a lot of times there's been so many pastors um who have moved on you know who've who've been abusive and either you know resigned or gotten fired or whatnot and they move on to another church without anyone knowing and Mm. and that church not doing the proper investigation and background checks and whatnot that they need to do so I feel like you know the the bare minimum would be for the SBC to create some sort of database that would that would track um you know, predatory pastors and, and churches that have actively covered up or covered for them. And what, what's been the response of the SBC to that, to just the creation of a database? Absolutely nothing. Um, I know Mm -hmm. that that's something, um, specifically that, uh, Krista Brown has been calling for, for years. Um, when I was a part of the, for such a time as this rally in 2019, I actually went to Birmingham, um, to the convention, um, we were relegated to standing on the sidewalks outside as they would not give (laughs) us space inside the convention. Um, but that's one of the things that we, we called for then. And, um, the response was really disheartening. Um we had pastors who literally moved to the other side of the street to walk by. Um, Hmm. There were uh, people hiding their children from us as, as if we were, you know, these awful, aggressive, horrible people. And 
it, it was, it was really, really, really hard. Hmm. Is there, is there a reason why they would not want to create that database? Have they given any reasoning at all? To my knowledge, they have not given any reasoning. Um, you know, I think what, what we're seeing and with a lot of the stuff that's been uh, come to light this, even just this last week, you know, we're seeing a, a structure of power um, and, and protection. And it has become very hard to ignore that they have consistently made choices to protect their own reputation hmm. over doing the right thing. Yeah. How, just how, how significant do you think church autonomy is in this? You know, just the idea that, you know, there's no, you know, the, the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, you know, is not, doesn't act as a group of bishops or presbytery over local congregations that, you know, really the power and direction of each Southern Baptist church is in the hands of that church. Um, right. How much does that, do you think that comes into play in a lot of this? I do. I absolutely do. And, and it, I will say for me as a survivor, it's been super frustrating because I feel like at every turn, I've been given that excuse. Well, every church is autonomous and mm. there's nothing we can do. And, and it's allowed people in the power structure to say, not my problem. And, but when, when you have individual churches such as, you know, Stonebridge who has blatantly denied a cover up, um, I reached out to Germantown Baptist Church, who is a Southern Baptist church. They were the ones that ordained Andy Savage, my abuser. And in fact, I even went to his ordination ceremony at their church when I was a child. And um, I came to them after I went public and I begged and pleaded for them to uh, revoke Andy's ordination. Now, I understand that wouldn't um, stop him from becoming a pastor or, or anything else um, in, you know, a non-denominational church or whatnot, which he's ended up doing. He started his own church, but it would, it would be a powerful statement by an SBC church saying, hey, we want to do the right thing. And, and yes, we will revoke his ordination. And after begging and pleading, they came back and they basically told me, we've gotten your, um, your letters and your phone calls and we have no comment. Mm. Wow. Wow. It just seems as if in the name of church autonomy, um, a lot of, you know, I mean, even in the just local church context, you know, so many times so that, things yeah, like that's this. That's been the frustrating thing for survivors is, th is that, you know, we've all been told, hey, go go to your pastor, go to the church. And so we do that. And, the, and then the pastor and the church, they don't do the right thing. And so at some point there has got to be structure. And I do feel like the SBC does have enough structure to be able to then if these churches refuse to hold themselves accountable, then to say, we are disfellowshipping them from our organization because that's not what our organization stands for. Yeah, because there are examples where the SBC oh. has disfellowshipped churches. 
Absolutely, Clearly. absolutely. Um, they have disfellowshipped churches over um, issues regarding their stances on homosexuality. And yeah. there have been... Uh, just a couple of churches that have been um, disfellowshipped more recently, I believe, over abuse. But, um, you know, it, <clears throat> I hate to toot my own horn and say, you know, look at my story. But, you know, my story has been one of the most, you know, prominent talked about SBC abuse stories. And for them to come back to me and, um, like I said, I've posted that letter uh, from Mike Lawson, the executive chair of the credentials committee, but it's like, oh, you, we're so sorry for everything you've been through and you've done all these great things and speaking out, but we've come to the conclusion that Stonebridge is not, that they're not going to be disfellowshipped, that they still are in friendly cooperation with the SBC. And, um, and so, yeah, there's, there's got to be, I, I understand, you know, the SBC and they've worked under the premise of autonomy forever, but there has got to be layers of accountability at some point. And because there has not been, I, I, I truly believe that's why we're seeing um, so much come to light now, you know, so much has been hidden, covered up and, um, and it truly is an epidemic within the mm. organization. Yeah. And so Jules, here we are, we're just a couple of days away from the Southern Baptist Convention in Nashville. Um, what would you, what would you like to see come out of Nashville? Sure. I really, and I, I just tweeted this, I believe yesterday, but um, I've, to be honest, and I hate, I hate to say it, but I've lost all hope in mm -hmm. the FBC doing the right thing at this point. So that being said, where do we go from here? Well, it's gonna look like an independent, a completely independent commission. Um, and, and Krista Brown and I tweeted about this too, um, but you know, an SBC Truth and Justice Commission, but something that is um, obviously paid for by the SBC, but but operates uh, completely independent from any of the SBC's entities, and um, that can truly not only you know take submissions, investigate um, past claims and cover-ups. Um, and, and, and then, but we'll, you know, manage the SBC's response and moving forward, we'll provide avenues for restitution for, um, for any SBC victims who choose to come forward. Um, but yeah, the, the non-negotiable really important thing is that the SBC has proven that they can't handle this issue they can't they can't mm. tackle this and and so it, it needs to be completely independent yeah okay wow let's focus on so turning away turning our attention away from just the southern baptist convention what about um local churches and pastors you know, right here watching listening uh church leaders watch and listen and uh, people that, you know, just part of churches in various ways. What can local churches, 
pastors, church leaders, what can local churches uh, do for survivors? Yeah, well, I think, you know, what one of the important things um, and, and a great starting place is to understand that you might not be trauma informed. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of education um, that would be beneficial for pastors, uh, church leaders um, to, to start doing, to, to learn about this, you know, and it starts with listening to survivors, whether that be on this podcast or on Twitter or whatnot. Um, but, but opening your hearts to survivors and, and, and truly listening to what we're seeing. Um, there's great resources and books out there. I just um, had a tweet thread the other day uh, for saying, you know, for anyone who wants to educate themselves about abuse in the church and, and how we got here. Um, and I recommended, I, I believe, at least 10 books. Um, I know Net Grace as an organization um, run by Boz Chubichian. Well, I believe he's actually handed over um, it to somebody else at this point, but Net Grace um, they are an amazing organization who is survivor centric. They offer resources for churches, not only to have, um, you know, excellent prevention um, measures in place to prevent abuse, but then also to um, how to move forward. And if, if an abuse claim has, you know, been brought um, brought to the church and, um, and they're a great place to start too. I know their website has, has some excellent articles and resources, um, linked on there. So yeah, I mean, there are steps, um, you know, pastors, uh, and, and church leaders can take and, you know, listening to survivors and, and doing what they can to make sure that their church is a safe place, um, for, abuse victims and for, and for the vulnerable. So we can even prevent these things from happening. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Jules, it's been, uh, it's been great to talk to you today. I do have one more question for you. I know you're busy and, uh, but I would love to hear, um, you have just walked through so much and to share your story, um, the way that you do. Um, I would love to know how have you managed to hold on to your faith through all of this? That's a great question, and certainly one that's been asked of me before. Um, you know, I, I have, it's it's kind of crazy to even just pause for a second and think about all that I've been through, but um, God has never abandoned me, and mm. um, even in darkest times, and there have been a lot, <laughs> Um, he has been faithful and I truly believe that he has given me this voice and has called me, um, to use my platform, um, to speak out against these atrocities. Uh, one of the things that I say, I know I've said it before in the past, but when clergy sexual abuse happened, it, it is devastating. It's not only the physical abuse, but it's the emotional abuse. It's the spiritual abuse. Um, when you have 
um, the church such as mine that, that covered it up, um, just the institutional betrayal can almost be more traumatizing than the, than the actual physical act of abuse itself. And um, it's just heartbreaking, but I do, I do feel, um, you know, God has never abandoned me and, and, and that he, you know, has given me this calling to speak out and that keeps me going that, that motivates me. Um, I have, I tell people, you know, my faith is very personal for me now more so than it ever was. Um, it, it, I have a hard time, um, making it public and, and, and trusting other people um, to walk alongside with me or be a part of that. And, and really that goes down to um, a, a total lack of faith and loss of hope for, for the institution and how they've treated me and, and, and many, many, many other survivors. So um, I am still a Christian. Um, I'm a believer and, and my faith is strong, um, but it is very personal. And um, I am I I am encouraged. Like I said, um, God has not ab abandoned me through all of this, and um, and I believe He won't abandon anyone who who truly seeks Him. And um, His grace His grace is amazing. Yeah, that's powerful. It's powerful. Jules, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your story and, and being willing to talk. It's been, this has been great. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and, and thank you for, for taking the time to address these hard topics. Um, we need to be talking about, about this. Absolutely. Jules is, uh, in the show notes, we'll put a link to uh, where people can connect with you on Twitter. And Excellent. all right. Is that, is that a, is that probably best place for people to to find you, yeah. hear your thoughts, and that sort of thing? All yeah, right. absolutely. That's definitely where I do, you know, most of my advocacy work. So, all right, all right. So we'll put that in the show notes. Jules, it's been great. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Jules, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was just an honor to to speak with her and. I want to encourage you to check out the show notes. We've got links to everything that Jules pointed to today. She linked to, she talked about a few resources, mentioned some books, um, and we've got links to all of those in the show notes. In the show notes, we've also got links to uh, that Jules shared with me, uh, where she shares her story in far greater detail than we went into in the podcast. And so those are also in the show notes. In the show notes as well, we've got links to a SBC sexual abuse survivors joint statement. It was actually just released a few days ago prior to uh, the release of this episode. Uh, Jules, along with other advocates and survivors, released this statement uh, just before the Southern Baptist Convention in Nashville. I've got links to that in the show notes. Make sure to share it. Uh, make sure to read it and share it on social media. I'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, pass this on to others. All right. Later on this week, we actually have another episode. 
It's a two-episode week around the Churchology Podcast. We've got a lot going on this week, and so look for another episode of the Churchology Podcast on Thursday. And what we will do with these two episodes is we're going to have some legs on these episodes and just continue to share them. So, so there's two episodes this week. The following week, we usually release episodes every Tuesday. There will not be a new episode next Tuesday because of the two this week, and we're going to continue to share a lot of clips and quotes and links from these interviews. Let's keep these conversations going. These conversations matter. Thank you, Jules, for coming on. It was just an honor to meet you and to hear your story. Thanks a lot for listening to the Churchology Podcast.